Hey, and welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, and today we're going to be breaking down the 2020 fantasy running backs that you must own. These guys have huge value. They offer a lot to your team, and they offer it with not much risk. You know, they say if something feels too good to be true, it probably is. These guys are not the case, however. Every year I go into the season and I begin to formulate a plan. What types of players do I want? How do I evaluate these guys? What should my roster look like? What are my kind of goals? Um, maybe that sounds like I'm trying too hard, but whatever. Anyways, and, and these guys are definitely on my list as far as I'd love to have at least one, probably two, and I, I get kind of selfish sometimes. I like to have three stud running backs that I can really rely upon. I think you need at least one. I love to have two, and sometimes you get lucky and you get three. But anyways, um, these are the guys that... They're studs. They're going to get you a lot of value. They're going to help carry you to a championship, and there's really not a whole lot of risk involved. In fantasy, you're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to draft some sleepers and go after some boomer bust sort of players, uh, but you can't afford to do that with your entire team. You know, if you've got a 14, 15 man roster and you're taking 15 uh, shots on sleepers and taking risks, I'll tell you what, you're, you're going you're gonna to miss on a few of those shots, and you're probably not going to win a championship. You can't afford to make huge mistakes. These guys, um, are great because they're not risks. They're, you're not going to bust on these guys when they're on the field. They're producing, they're performing, and, and that's why I love them. But we're going to get into each one of these guys individually and talk about why I love them. Of course, I'd love to hear from you guys who are your must-own running backs, as well as keep a lookout. We're going to be doing our Dynasty Quarterback Rankings video really soon once Rob catches up, and he'll be joining me for that. And then the next video I'll be doing is our wide receivers that you must own. So leave some suggestions for that video as I'm beginning to do some research for that. But let's just get into it. So, you know, we should probably start this video off with maybe an obvious one, an easy one, maybe a warm-up guy. Let's do Christian McCaffrey. Now, of course, he finished number one in fantasy points last year, and that makes him a really obvious pick for this list. So my apologies to everyone out there who's probably rolling their eyes and clicking off of this video, but there's more to it. I definitely think that there's more to it. Trust me on this. If you've never watched our videos before here at the FFP, we are not about wasting your time, and I'm really not about wasting my time. I want to point out the fact that he was far more dominant last year than a typical uh, number one fantasy back that year. I think every year there's that guy who does number one. He dominates. He leads every other running back. Christian McCaffrey did way better than that. I think what he had was a historic season. And if he can continue what he did last year and the year before, he will easily be a Hall of Famer and could very well be in that greatest running back of all time consideration. So let's look at it. And one of the reasons we are looking at it is with the new coach and a new quarterback and they add Robbie Anderson at wide receiver, you know, this is an entirely new offense. And I think that's going to scare some teams or some people away from Christian McCaffrey and possibly kind of bump him down on the list behind maybe an Ezekiel Elliott or some guys. I think that's a mistake. I think you have to keep him number one, especially in PPR leagues. For me in a PPR league, if you have the first pick, you better take Christian McCaffrey or you will regret it. He has been absolutely phenomenal. So let's talk about it. Back in 2019, he became just the fourth running back to go over 1,000 receiving yards in a single season. That alone is insane. And of course, we see the ramifications for that in PPR leagues. Absolutely dominant receiving back. And the value in that is he keeps a lot of that value in games in which the Panthers are losing. That's really nice. If you've got a really stud running back, like say Nick Chubb, that's awesome. But when your team's down 45 points, how many carries is Nick Chubb going to get? Not that many. So of course, we love a dual threat guy. I think you have to be a somewhat dual threat if you want to be the number one fantasy running back. But of course, it goes beyond that. He wasn't just good in the air. He became just the third running back to do a thousand rushing and a thousand receiving in in the same season one of the ultimate dual threats in the nfl had a solid yards per carry and a, a solid yards per catch doing it 
uh, just super productive. Uh, but again, it goes further than that. PPR-wise, he set the record for most catches by a running back in a single season. He had 116 catches. That record was previously held by himself from the prior year, showing he is already probably on his way to be the greatest receiving running back of all time, and I fully believe that. You have to go by the numbers, and the numbers are saying that right now, that he is definitely on pace to do that. Um, absolutely dominant. There's no arguing that. And one of the funny things with it is, is his 116 catches he had last year was a record among running backs, uh, but it's also ties the tight end record for most catches, which is uh, Zach Ertz, I believe, also had 116 catches one year. Uh, so that's crazy when a running back can go out there and do that. Uh, but it's more than that. I want to show you something really interesting. I began looking through the numbers and kind of was just wowed and blown away. He finished with the most fantasy points among running backs last year. He scored 469 fantasy points. Uh, but what's interesting is the year before he took second among running backs in fantasy points, he took second by 0.6 fantasy points basically a half a fantasy point away from being the number one fantasy running back the year prior. That, by the way, is 0.2% difference between him and the number one guy, so that's crazy. And then he comes off of that year where he's basically the number one running back, just just right there, pretty much tied for it, and he just absolutely explodes, hands down, is the number one running back. He outscored the next best guy, who is Aaron Jones, by the way, by 32%. He outscored Aaron Jones by 150 fantasy points. That's insane. I went all the way back to 2009 and did not find a single running back who ever led all running backs by that big of a margin. Never found it, not even close hands down the most dominant season by a running back especially in the PPR league that I have ever seen um, really again feeds into this historic numbers in fact when you do the math on it he led Aaron Jones by 30 percent he could have missed four games and still been the number one fantasy running back could you imagine that if you went out and played in just 12 games and still won and still had the most fantasy points among running backs um I'm going to quit talking about it now, guys. You get the point. I, I just want to emphasize the fact, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Christian McCaffrey is a somewhat underrated running back. He absolutely dominated last year, and there's no reason to have any concern about him. For me, he's the number one running back. You take him with the number one pick, and you say thanks, and you just love having that secure stud. But uh, leave a comment down below if you disagree with me. Um, I want to hear your guys' thoughts for sure. But for me, I don't really think there's any way to argue it unless you have some major concerns with the new Panthers coach. Um, but even then, he's probably going to get quite a bit of volume. Next up, guys, we absolutely have to talk about Aaron Jones for a few reasons. Uh, one, I think he's a must-own running back. He's stud. He's got insane value. He's safe. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I also think he's really underrated. I don't think people realize how dominant he is or how dominant he was last year, and I think some people think it was a bit of a fluke. For those of you who don't know, Aaron Jones finished second in fantasy points among running backs in PPR scoring last year. He was really quite dominant. I mean, essentially, he was the second best fantasy running back in a PPR league so, I mean, shouldn't that be where he is? Personally, I think so. We'll get into some of the reasons why, but that's why it's surprising for me to see that he's being, on average, taken in the late second round as the 14th or 15th running back. That's his ADP right now, according to about three or four different sites um, that allow people to do mock drafts and allow experts to kind of vote in and pull. And I don't know what it is. I guess people aren't seeing what I'm seeing, which is he dominated last year, and there was one key factor that really helped boost his numbers. 
Uh, something to know is here at the FFP, we have liked Aaron Jones for many years, and Mike McCarthy just refused to give him the volume of touches that he needed. He gets a new coach, Matt Flynn, this year. That made all the difference in the world. Matt Flynn last year was a great coach for Aaron Jones and gave him the tools that he needed to succeed. And when we look at it, he went from 24th among running backs in fantasy points all the way up to second in his first year under this new coach, and I don't think that was a fluke. In 2019, he had 235 carries and 67 targets. That's a total of 302 touches. Well, in 2018, he just had 165 touches, meaning his new coach gave him almost double the touches. That right there is going to be a huge factor playing into the amount of fantasy points that he's going to get. Volume is key. For me, volume has got to be 30-40% of the equation um, to really evaluating a guy's fantasy value. It wasn't just volume. It was quality volume. Um, it equated to a huge boost in red zone stats. In fact, he had 14 red zone touchdowns. And anybody who plays fantasy has heard the phrase before, touchdowns are king. And that's absolutely true. And dependable touchdowns are red zone touchdowns. If a guy goes out there and he has a lot of touchdowns, but they are, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 yard running touchdowns or receiving touchdowns, those are great, but they always make me a little nervous. When you're getting red zone touches, that will continually equate to touchdowns. There's really no way of avoiding it. When you're getting the ball near the end zone, eventually you're going to take it in. Um, so I really like that. But he's also, he's got a great team around him. He's a really productive running back in, in a really good offensive line. The Packers last year had the eighth best run blocking offensive line, according to pro football focuses metrics. So of course, that's going to be really nice. And, you know, it's not just all the offensive line as well. I was really surprised to see that 819 of his 1,196 rushing yards came after the contact. That means 68%, way over half of his rushing yards came as earned yards, physical, tough, aggressive, powerful running, where he's just going to head up, hit you, and continue to move. And I really like that. That shows that he, you know, is not relying on that offensive line to kind of stat boost him, essentially, that he is earning those yards. And that's a great combination. When you're getting quality red zone touches, a lot of touches, you're an effective runner and with a good offensive line and a coach that likes you. That's a perfect scenario. That's a perfect situation. And for me, there's really nothing to dislike here. But there's one more area that we haven't talked about, and that is what is he doing in the passing game? And of course, he got a really big boost in that area as well. Matt Flynn loved to use him in the passing game. In fact, he over doubled his targets, receptions, yards, and receiving touchdowns, all while setting a career high in passer rating generated when targeted of 109, which was third best among running backs with at least 67 targets. The fact of the matter is Aaron Jones was dominant. He was insanely productive. He, again, he has a good offensive line. He is a physical quality runner. He's doing it in the passing game. He's doing it in the red zone. He's making efficient work of his touches. And he's got a coach that's going to give him over 300 touches in a season as a whole. I got no complaints. I got no arguments. And my question for you guys is I'd love to know it because I'm always wondering what's going on in everyone else's mind. Why do you think everyone is kind of evaluating him to do so much worse this year than he did last year? One of the things that I put down in my notes, and this is something that I've got on my, I've got a note, a document that I actually keep on how do I evaluate players. And one of my notes, I'll actually read it off right here real quick, is to, is to remind myself of something. And it says, look forward and trying to predict to the next year, we have to ask ourselves, 
what has changed. If nothing has changed, then there's no reason to expect a player's production to change either. And that's exactly it. Um, he's going to put up the same fantasy numbers, the same fantasy production, as long as everything else is the same. And uh, the Green Bay Packers are the same. They've got it, the same coach and the same quarterback and the same offense and the same system. For me, there's no reason to expect him to do anything different than what he did last year, which was dominate. But hey, I tell you what, you guys try to take him in the second round. He'll already be off the board, and I will say thank you for getting a stud running back too. You know, I tell you what, if we went based off of potential or talent or skill, we could probably make a video about 25 different running backs. We could go on and on and on about guys who are insanely skilled. But this is the must-own video, and this is about guys who are trustworthy. They just can't just have huge potential and huge value. They need to be consistent, and they need to perform, and I need to feel like there's a sense of safety and security in these guys. Um, one of the things that I probably should have mentioned at the end of the video that I've been thinking a lot about is... You cannot win a fantasy league in the first round. You can't. No one pick in the first round is going to win you a championship. But you can lose it in the first round. Oh, yeah, you can absolutely lose it. I've seen teams have fantastic drafts, but their first round pick stinks. And, well, they hurt because of it. Because in the first round, that's when Christian McCaffrey's and Ezekiel Elliott's get taken. And that's why Ezekiel Elliott is the next guy we're going to talk about right now because he's been so effective. Uh, and the fact of the matter is he is the model of consistency. Um, he is one of the best pure rushers in the NFL. He is a great all-around back. And it kind of goes back to the Aaron Jones thing, and I'll mention it again. You know, looking forward, trying to predict what players are going to do, we have to ask the question, what has changed? And for Ezekiel Elliott, very little has changed, meaning heading into this year, I don't expect much, much to change for his fantasy production. Um, I also like him because he is a standard league stud. The last two guys we've talked about have had some really good PPR seasons recently, and we'll actually talk about his surprising PPR abilities here. But for a guy who's got 48 touchdowns and 56 career games, Ezekiel Elliott is feels like just a lock to find the end zone. I mean, to be honest, every week I feel like I put him in my lineup, he's going to score me a TD, and that is really great. Um, even in PPR leagues, um, it's nice to have that in a standard league, but if you're in a PPR league, it's nice to know that you're going to get a touchdown. You're at least going to get six points, even if his catches happen to be low. And that's the other thing with Ezekiel Elliott. He really started off his career. He was not a really great receiving running back. It wasn't something he was known for, and I kind of wondered what he was going to do, but he ultimately made the adjust to the NFL, as a lot of running backs do. College does not ask running backs to do a lot of catching and receiving and route running, and then they come into the NFL, and it's difficult, and it takes a couple of years to get that skill developed. Ezekiel Elliott has really developed that skill. In fact, over the last two years, he has combined for 131 catches. That's a crazy amount of catches, and of course, that added usage and being able to be that extra value and that kind of just being able to stay on the field and be useful for extra downs, you know, late into the fourth quarter when you're down by 15 and it's third and 20 and you need to throw the ball, having him out there making those catches, that also boosts his yards as well. He's combined in the last two seasons for 3,700 yards. That's absolutely insane. He's getting up there near 2,000 yards per season over the last two years. That's just crazy, wildly productive. And you know what? This was the thing that clued me on. This was the thing that I really liked about him. And the reason he went on this video, the one stat for me that was ultimately because I, you know, I like him, but is he must own? Is he too obvious? What for me makes him better than people kind of see him as is kind of the thing that I had to ask myself when deciding whether or not to talk about him. 
and ultimately it's that his yards after contact are really effective for a guy who gets so many touches and so many carries and is such a physical runner and i fully believe in my mind he is the second best pure runner in the nfl i think number one's got to go to derrick henry um absolutely has to go to derrick henry but Again, for me, he is the second best peer runner in the NFL, and he has taken a heavy workload. I would not be surprised at all to see three, four years from now, he is just beaten down and exhausted and do what, quite honestly, a lot of running backs of his style do where they're great, they're great, they're great. And then like the last couple years of their career, when they're like 30 years old, their yards per carry dips to like 3.2 because they're just worn down. Uh, but he hasn't had that problem at all. And that, that's not a concern at all. In fact, he had a career best 3.23 average yards after contact. That's really crazy for me to see this guy is getting better with age. He's like a fine wine apparently. And that's for me, one of the big stats that was really surprising as well as pro football focus gave him the best rushing rating that he has ever had in his career. Super dominant. I like this guy. There is one thing to address, however, and of course that is his offense and the team around him. Now everything else is pretty much the same. You've still got Amari Cooper. You've still got Dak Prescott. You've still got a pretty darn good offensive line, though I believe they lost Travis Frederick at center, so that's going to hurt a little bit. But ultimately, the one thing that I think a lot of people want to know about and that I should probably address is Mike McCarthy. I think people have some concerns about Mike McCarthy, and I understand that. When you get a new coach, um, he has a big impact on the offense, and you do have to question what that is going to do to the players and the fantasy value of the guys that have been in that offense already. However, for me, I'm not quite as concerned as most people. I'm a little concerned, but for me, he's still a must-own. For starters, he could take a slight dip in production and still be a stud fantasy back. So there's that, and I don't see him taking a major dip in production. There's, I just don't see it. He's been too productive and too dominant. Um, but as far as Mike McCarthy goes, I think he slightly gets a bad rap. I don't think he's a great coach. I don't think he's one of the best of all time, but I definitely think he gets a slightly bad rap because the Packers decide to move on from him, which clearly was the right choice. Matt Flynn, man, he led a really great Packers team last year. Um, and then a lot of people are saying, wow, the Packers look better without Mike McCarthy and their team is so great without Mike McCarthy. But actually, when you look at it, the Packers offense was slightly less effective with Matt Flynn than with Mike McCarthy. More effective in the running game. They lost quite a bit in the passing game, but oh well, right? I think they were still a little bit more effective, especially in some of those years where they were really great when Rodgers was throwing 40 plus touchdowns a year. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me was the Packers were such a better team because they finally added some defensive players. And that's where I think Mike McCarthy gets a bad rap. Their defense stunk and it stunk and it was terrible and it was awful. And they just didn't have the weapons. And they finally let go of Mike McCarthy. And then that's when they go out and add a bunch of free agent weapons on the defensive side last year. And that was the biggest difference maker. That's what made Matt Flynn look great. And that's what allowed them to do the running the ball thing more. One of the things that I noticed when I began to look at it is, if we're being honest, I think there were a lot of games where they wanted to run the ball a lot more um, uh, with Mike McCarthy and the Packers, but could you really, when that defense was as bad as it was, you finally get those defensive players in place, and now you can afford to say, let's play slow, smart football. And so that was a huge advantage Mike Flynn, uh, Matt Flynn had, excuse me. Um, again, not taking anything away from Matt Flynn, but I don't think we need to hit the panic button. I heard a lot of people calling the Mike McCarthy signing with the Cowboys as one of the worst deals ever. Again, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Let me know if you disagree with me, though. I'll stop rambling, rambling on about my thoughts about that. You guys know me here at the FFP. I just want to stick to the stats, so let's move on to that. Let's talk about our next guy, and let's get back to some numbers. 
Uh, for me, the next guy on the list we got to talk about is Todd Gurley. A lot of people have got concerns, thrown the red flag, scared of Todd Gurley. I'm not. For me, Todd Gurley is quite the opposite direction. He's a must-own stud back. I think he's going to have some huge production. Um, we'll talk about some things, but first, we got to get to the concerns because I think there are a few things going on right now. One, people are worried about the knee. Um, two, uh, I think people are worried about the low yards per carry last season. He averages 3.8 yard, 3 yards per carry last year, and those two things really scare some people. First thing that I want to address, and I've heard this from person after person after person after person, and it gets kind of irritating because it just begin to wonder, is anybody even paying attention when they watch football? Uh, but that is his knee. It's his knee. He's not playing as well because his knee. I haven't seen that. I'm going to be quite honest with you. I've watched him play. He looks and runs very similar to the way he did before he got hurt, if not the exact same. I don't think his knee is a problem. We never heard a single report from the Rams that that was an issue, that they were struggling with it, and it was limiting him and hurting him and blah, blah. We didn't hear any of that. And I tell you right now, we've, we've heard a lot of things from a lot of teams we would know. I fully believe that we would know. In fact, we even hear from players all the time coming out after the season. They want to make excuses for their performance, and they'll say, well, I wasn't recovered from my injury. I'll be better next year. If it was the knee, I guarantee you Todd Gurley would be telling the world that he was still recovering because that would be a pretty darn good excuse for his yards per carry. I don't think it was the knee. If you've got any reason to believe it was the knee, leave a comment down below and tell me why I'm wrong, but I, I really don't. Um, so let's get to the yards per carry. Uh, 3.8 yards per carry was bad, but I think much of that can be pushed on the offensive line. The Rams offensive line was a very poor offensive line last year, and it really hurt him. In fact, it was the worst offensive line he had ran behind probably in, probably in his entire career. It was a real point of struggle for him. And I don't think that we just have to speculate this and blame it on the offensive line. Statistically, measurably, they were the seventh worst run blocking offensive line last year. And in fact, they were just 3% better than the second worst run blocking offensive line. So they were just bottom of the barrel. It was brutal. It was a problem. It was an issue. And now he's going to be going to the Atlanta Falcons who have the 11th best offensive line. So he's going to get a major boost and help from those guys up front. Right now, plain and simple, he is in a better situation as far as that blocking scheme goes, and they're, they're going to really just be able to help him out. So that right there is huge. That's awesome. Great. That's going to, again, explain that yards per carry away a little bit and going to give him a big boost this year. But I think there's a bit more to it than that because we can actually look at some further numbers. I was looking at it. Um, what I find really crazy to me is, again, we don't just have to speculate about that. He had a career low in carries and yet also managed a career high in avoided tackles. Avoided tackles are a great stat for determining how good a running back is apart from the offensive line because it's plain and simple. How often does a running or does a defensive player come up to the running back and he is able to avoid the tackle either by stiff arming or juking or just trucking the guy or whatever it may be? It doesn't matter the method. He avoided the tackles. And for me, it's really interesting to see he had less carries and more avoided tackles. That tells me that he wasn't slowing down. It wasn't a production problem for Todd Gurley. That's a great sign. And again, that further pushes the idea that the big problem last year for Todd Gurley was the offensive line and it wasn't necessarily his fault. He's also, one of the things I want to say is that yes, 3.8 yards per carry is bad. He's bounced back from 3.8 yards per carry before. When we go back to 2016, he had just 3.2 yards per carry and had just six touchdowns on the year. That was bad. He followed that year up by running 4.8 yards per carry and scoring 19 touchdowns. So 
Um, bouncing back from a bad season when he is under, you know, kind of new team, absolutely very possible. We've seen him do it before where he has bounced back and much improved in that offense. I think it's going to be huge, and I love the weapons Atlanta has. So for me, I don't have very many concerns for a running back who, by the way, is still only 25 years old at the point of recording this and will be 26 years old during the season. He is still very young. I think a lot of people treat him with his knee like he's 90 years old, but that's not the case as well. And of course, he had a pretty darn good last year. I believe he went, still went over 1,000 yards total. He had 14 touchdowns, great in the red zone. He did see a slight dip in his uh, kind of usage in the passing game, but that would also correlate with his slight dip in usage in the running game. He just wasn't being used as much. And that is a question of, as we talked about with like Mike McCarthy before, and Sean McVay may have also done this, where there are a lot of times where running backs like, say, Kenyon Drake have, we're just hearing reports that for some reason coaches aren't using him as much as they should, and then they go to a new team and they get more usage. Uh, Aaron Jones gets a new coach, more usage. Kenny Drake gets a new team, more usage. Um, and I think very well the same thing could happen with Todd Gurley. He could go to Atlanta and see a big boost in his usage, who, by the way, I believe Devonta Freeman will be a free agent, or excuse me, is a free agent, will likely be playing for another team. Even if he is still running with the Atlanta Falcons, he was very ineffective last year, and I don't see him competing for that job whatsoever. Uh, for me, Todd Gurley is a lock. I don't have concerns about his knee. He's still young. He's going to be even further removed from that knee injury and that surgery. And he's just plain simple, really effective. And I'm excited to see what he can do when he gets some help in a better offense that, you know, I like the Rams offense, but they clearly had some major issues last year. And again, let's see what he can do when he gets an offensive line that can really give him some support, give him some push off the line and just help him get that scrimmage moved forward a little bit. But uh, let's quit talking about Todd Gurley. Uh, there's not much more else for me to say. I think I've made my point at this point in my mind. I'm not concerned about that. I'm not concerned about his yards per carry. I think he's moving into a better situation where he's going to be able to score a lot of points. If you disagree with me, tell me I'm an idiot in the comments section below. I really am not afraid to have people disagree with me, but uh, we'll talk it out peacefully and uh, see where we're at and kind of learn some things. I'd be curious to see if you guys have anything new to, to kind of offer to this conversation because there's a lot talking right now, and he's a kind of a pretty controversial back. So it does make me a little uncomfortable talking about him knowing that some people are definitely going to hate this pick, but if you love this pick, make sure to let me know. For me, another guy that you could probably draft in the second round and could very well be an RB1 is Miles Sanders, seriously underrated. For those of you who don't know, last year he finished 15th in PPR and 16th in standard league scoring. He had a just, quite honestly, he was a dominant rookie running back, extremely underrated. He did go in our underrated players video for a reason, which you should check out if you haven't. Um, but let's talk about some of those numbers. We're going to rehash a few things that we already talked about him, and I'll actually add a few more pieces that I didn't mention in that video as to why you, this guy is a lock and you got to like him. First thing being, he finished 11th in average yards after contact. That's a very high stat, very physical runner for a guy who is known for being undersized. However, clearly that undersized label gets put on running backs that it shouldn't be put on. We got that same label for Christian McCaffrey, who put on some weight um, and then really dominated. In fact, Christian McCaffrey probably didn't even need to put on weight. The second half of his rookie season was vastly improved from the first half, and he was already on this huge progression to become the running back that he is now. And Miles Sanders, quite honestly, probably had a better rookie season than McCaffrey did. He was really dominant. And again, 11th in average yards after contact is really good because when we compare him to the players around him in that stat, we get names like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Raheem Mostart, 
all running backs who are known for being bigger backs, very physical, very strong, and very mean. And that's a great category to be in. Shows me that his size is not a problem. And again, with his production last year, I don't have a problem with his size. He looked great. He was extremely, extremely productive. And in fact, he started off the season kind of slow. He finished really strong. I know throughout the middle of the season, he had a bit of an injury and just um, kind of slowed him down for a couple of games and missed a little bit of time. Uh, but the last five games of the season, he finished sixth in fantasy points among running backs. The last five games, which by the way, is like a third of the season, he finished sixth. He was essentially not just an RB1, but a top half RB1. That's pretty impressive. Um, and he finished just behind guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, who had like a crazy four-touchdown game. McCaffrey was insane. You know that being in that list of those guys means he is a dominant runner. And again, he's not just great in the ground. He's also great in the passing game. Every single year, the NFL asks running backs to be more and more used in the passing game. And it's good for him that he can do that. He finished top 12 in receptions, yards, average depth of target, uh, yards per target, and yards per catch, as well as finishing top seven in red zone targets, catches, and touchdowns. And again, as I mentioned earlier with some of our other players, red zone usage is efficient usage. And when you can finish top seven in some of those stats as far as being used in the red zone, that's going to be really important towards getting those touchdowns because, again, Touchdowns are king. Sorry for beating a dead horse and saying the same thing over and over again, but you get the point. Uh, that's very, very valuable. The thing that I wanted to add, because we mentioned basically all of that in our underrated players video, the thing that really stood out to me that just was kind of the icing on the cake was that I think the running game is a staple for the Eagles offense, for the Eagles team as a whole. I think they're going to run the ball a lot this year, and it's kind of who they are. The Eagles led the NFL in run blocking rating with a rating of 88.4 by Pro Football Focus. So PFF rated them as the number one run blocking offense in the NFL. That's going to be a pretty darn big boost to your running back, right? I mean, that alone is huge. But what I really like about it is that Carson Wentz had the second most play action passing yards out of any quarter, excuse me, out of every quarterback in the NFL, over a thousand of his passing yards came on play action passes. And what does that mean? That means they need to run the ball and run it effectively to get their passing game going. That will absolutely 100% tell us so we can know for certain that heading into 2020, they're going to do what they did last year and they're going to lean on their young stud running back, not just in the running game, but in the passing game. He is going to be a key part of that offense. And I'm going to say it right now. I think people think I'm crazy, but I think he will probably sneak his way into being an RB1 this season. And so, yes, he does deserve to be on this list. In my book, he is a must-own running back. All right, guys, that is FFP's five must-own running backs heading into the 2020 season. I love these guys. They're going to be crazy productive. They have been crazy, crazy productive, and they're safe picks. They're going to add a lot to your team, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. Thank you guys so much for watching. We appreciate your support. If you did like this video and you're not subscribed, consider hitting subscribe as you'll get notified every time that we post a video and there are going to be a lot more videos like this coming up soon as well as it helps support the channel, helps motivate me. The more subscribers we have, the more motivated I am to post videos more frequently. So if you did like this content, any support that you give me is really going to help me to produce more videos to help you guys out with your fantasy leaks. Hopefully this video was really informative. Hopefully you guys learned a lot. If you didn't, make sure to tell me to do a better job in the comment section down below. But Thank you so much for supporting us here at the FFB. You guys have a great day and God bless.